Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest, and he is the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, tonight is our Aftermath pod. We're going to sift through the aftermath of the Broncos' romping beatdown win over the Cowboys. But first things first, a couple of really bad injuries to starters one of which done for the year. I'll let you grab that. The other one we learned just a little bit ago, Patrick Sertan going to miss multiple games with a knee sprain. So, man, when it rains, it pours. Well, first of all, I put this out on Twitter. It's outrageous how many injuries the Broncos have, and I think at this point it's past coincidental. It's, ba- it's past bad luck. It's year after year after year. Players are dropping like flies, and more and more and more added to the list. Look over, Chad, I know you can, uh, and I put it on Twitter again, the transcript from uh, Fangio's presser today, and the first, like, ten items are injury update on, injury update on, injury update on. It's just a sad state of affairs, and I think something has to change with the Broncos' strength and conditioning staff because, again, this is past just incidental or coincidental. Uh, About Graham Glasgow, that's the unfortunate news here. He fractured his ankle in yesterday's game on the final play of the first half. Of a blowout win. He's out for the year. He was taken away in an air cast yesterday off the field, and he is done. It'll be Quinn Miners starting at right guard, and Fangio says he and his belly is ready for the opportunity, Chad. Dalton Reisner is okay, and uh, like you mentioned, Patrick Sertan's out. Maybe for a game, game or two. Massey, Bobby Massey at right tackle might be out of game. Garrett Bowles might be out of game. Mike Purcell, though, it sounds like could be coming back this week. So uh, a minor reinforcement and a lot more outgoing players. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick Pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick Pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can 
find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. I just don't understand how it can be such a constant. I want you to really ponder this, and this is rhetorical, meaning that I don't necessarily need you guys in the chat to answer this. Zach, in your case, if you've got a, if you've got a good answer, by all means, name a game this year in which the Broncos haven't come out of it without losing a starter to injured reserve, whether short-term or for the season. Week one, Ronald Darby. No, really, you guys think about that. It's been every single week. The only one I'm questioning Jacksonville is, is, is the Browns game. No, the Browns game. Maybe Jacksonville, but either way, it's just been know. a litany, a litany. And, uh, hey. Like we always say, though, Chad, if we have to think about it, that's a bad omen. We shouldn't have to think about it. It should be one week where they don't have an injured player. I mean, at what point can you – do you have to just stop saying, well, you know, it's football. This is part of the game. Yeah, we get that, right? We understand injuries are part of football. It is the most violent, physical, uh, pro team sport in the world, or at least in this country. I mean, it depends on if, how you view rugby, I guess, and all that stuff. But nevertheless, Zach – it's a constant, and I just can't get by. So I'm starting to ramble here, but let's talk about what Christian has on his mind here. Thank you, Christian, for that super chat. Getting in early, by the way. Appreciate you. He says, do you think Jonathan Cooper is going to be Vaughn's replacement starting next season? So he already is his replacement, but I think what he's saying is, is this the guy the torch is getting passed to? Is this who's going to be complimenting, say, Bradley Chubb week one, 2022? I have a tweet out there again that's causing some, I don't know why, some backlash. I predicted for next year, 2022, the Broncos starting linebacker core. I have Bradley Chubb, Kenny Young, Baron Browning, and Jonathan Cooper. And I think it's a good mix of veteran and youth. It's a good mix of speed and run-plugging ability. Bradley Chubb, guys, is going to be back. They picked up his fifth-year option, and when he comes back healthy and he starts performing, a lot of you guys will be happy with him. But Jonathan Cooper right now, some people said to me, I'm not ready to crown him over Malik Reed yet. Well, to me, Cooper is the Shaq Barrett to Reed's Shane Ray. And I don't mean that as a slight against Malik Reed. I just mean that Malik Reed can't do the things that Jonathan Cooper is doing, especially as a pass rusher. He is showing the bend and explosion off the edge that we haven't seen since Shaq Barrett or Von Miller for that matter. So for right now, I know it might be hyperbole or overreactive or emotional to say, I think that is the replacement going forward. And what a steal, once again, in the seventh round to get Von Miller's potential replacement, George Payton. The key for Jonathan Cooper is simply, hey, man, you're a rookie, and with rookies come the trial and error, uh, trial and error learning curve. It's pretty rare. I mean, you can go all the way back to 2011 to find a Bronco that was consistent as a defensive player from start to finish, and that was Von Miller. Like, he played the whole year like he'd been in the league, you know, three, four years. Like, he was a veteran out the gates. And Jonathan Cooper, in that Cleveland game, and I don't say this to get you guys down, but in that Cleveland game, he came in for uh, for Vaughn when Vaughn got hurt, and he was an absolute whirling dervish. Notched five pressures, affected Case Keenum throughout that game, 
and then he disappeared the following week without Vaughn on the field at Wash or against Washington, and then he comes back with a vengeance in this game. So it just kind of illustrates Cooper is going to giveth and he's going to taketh. But Zach, I'm inclined to agree with you that based on what we saw yesterday in two of the three games, these last three games anyway, that he's been called upon to really be uh, utilized, I'm inclined to think that that it's going to be more of the ups than it is the downs. Christian says, do you still expect the Broncos to go after Corral or Willis? These are two draft uh, prospect quarterbacks rather than Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, Zach. I think right now, uh, November 8th, the Broncos coming off a big upset win in which Teddy Bridgewater did play well. He was pushing the ball downfield, and that's the type of quarterbacking the Broncos need. The smart play would not to be chasing someone like Rodgers, Wilson, Deshaun Watson. It's maybe re-sign Teddy to a two-year deal. Don't break the bank, but throw him some money and also draft and slash groom his long-term successor. I don't know who that is specifically. Could be Matt Corral, could be Malik Willis, could be Kenny Pickett. Someone in this draft class will get plucked by the Broncos. Teddy's not a long-term guy, but if he keeps playing this way, I think he's a good holdover guy and a mentor for the future. Andrew Lampy, appreciate all those stars, my friend. Your support, it really does mean a lot to us. I hope you know that. And while we're on the topic, we're going to get to his uh, comment here that says, Evening, speedy recovery to the Broncos' mash unit. Yep. Yes, indeed, man, it really is. Uh, here's where we're at on the goal for this month, November. We set the goal at 200,000 stars. When we reach it, we're going to raffle off a Broncos jersey of the winner's choosing. And we are already just not a full eight days into the month, nearly 50% complete. So shout out to you guys. The only people that are whose names are going into the raffle, all right, are the people who contributed to the goal. And here's a list. Here's a look at where that uh, stands right now for the month of November. Randy at the top, Travis Weber at two. Appreciate you guys. Doug Raquel at three. Love you. Matt Beatty, love you. Mike Rocchio at five. Shane Daniels, six. Tim Hoffman, seven. Tim Hoffman, Zach, is a guy who has really come on strong, I'm going to say, the last, say, you know, four or five weeks of this season, and it's been really cool to see. We appreciate you, Tim. Uh, Morgan Henry, another kind of newer, coming on strong of late guy. Andrew Lampy there at 9, and Pete Middleton at 10, legendary Chris Hernandez at 11, and you can see a few of the other names just outside, but we appreciate each and every one of you, and we can't wait to see who wins that raffle. Um, let's grab here Sam Bam. Appreciate you, bro. He says, I'm still shocked at the whooping we put on them boys. Best part was looking around the stadium in the beginning of the fourth quarter and seeing Cowboy fans leaving for the exits and lots of orange. That, again, was something that really popped, Zach, whether you were there in person or watching on the television broadcast, just how much orange were in the stands. I think Broncos fans will be happy to hear that J. Ron Curse, who's a safety for the Cowboys, he actually publicly you know, admonish the AT&T home crowd. He said it was embarrassing how much Broncos regalia was in the stands and how many, how loud it was. Dalton Reisner said when they made a touchdown, he was confused as to why are the fans at AT&T Stadium, Jerry World, cheering for the Broncos, and they were drowning out the Cowboys. So my hat's off to you, Broncos country. You travel well. You don't get the credit like Steelers fans or Packers fans or, you know, Chiefs fans, but Broncos country travels, man. Doesn't matter where it is. It really does. It really does. And I think, you know, as we know, it's not a geographic location. It's a state of being. And one thing that I helped, I think really helped kind of goose that collective state of being is the arrival of Peyton Manning in 2012. And I don't say this to cast aspersions on anybody. 
it doesn't matter when or how you became a Broncos fan. I don't care if it was, hey, I go all the way back to the franchise, baby, in the 60s, 44, Floyd Little, or if you were someone who caught the John Elway fever or the Peyton Man- What matters is you became a Broncos fan, and Peyton Manning really raked in countless, countless, countless Broncos fans, and many of those same Broncos fans, Zach, when he retired victorious as a world champ, they didn't leave. They stuck around through the depredations. So just cool seeing how how much Broncos country really shows out. Yvonne, what's good down in Mexico, buddy? Thank you for the stars. He says, hey, guys, I will ask the same thing as this morning just to hear your thoughts. With the win yesterday, I have the feeling that Vic Fangio will come back for next season. The injury excuse is getting stronger. Uh, it doesn't matter, did they win this week? Did they win last week? Have they lost two in a row, four in a row? What matters is, Zach, did they make the playoffs? If Vic Fangio fails to make the playoffs, it's uh, hit the bricks time. Trust on that. They can't afford to wait anymore, any longer. Like, this is his third year, Zach, so it's it's put up or shut up, and then it would be then the sixth straight year of missing the postseason. They can't continue twiddling thumbs. First of all, there's no injury excuse. When you have a team like the Cardinals who are missing DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray and could go out there and whoop ass anyway, there is no injury excuse in the NFL. Everyone's dealt the same bad hand. Everyone's going through the same things. It was one Really, really, really impressive victory. The most impressive victory of Vic Fangio's tenure, but it was still just that one victory. They go out there on Sunday and lay an egg against Philadelphia in a game that now everyone expects the Broncos to win again. It's going to kind of destroy all the goodwill that was pent up with this last win. So like you said, the bottom line is the playoffs. At the very, very minimum, a winning record, but playoffs would ensure Fangio returns. I wouldn't go shredding up those pink slips because he beat the Cowboys. If he continues doing it, that's one thing. But one game is not going to undo the stink of a four-game slide. The league is all about, what have you done for me lately? And so I understand, Yvonne, while you're saying, hey, what he's done for me lately is provide a romping underdog win. And that's cool. But in the final analysis, when the season is over, what's going to dictate that, as Zach said, playoff? Sam Bam, again, thank you, brother. So how much of the injury problem is on coaching and what's the solution if there is one? Bro, here's the problem there. We don't know. We're not uh, sports science uh, experts, okay? But what we can tell you is, you know, you don't have to be a chef, right? To taste the pudding and go, ooh, yeah, no, me no likey this pudding. Something about this pudding sucks and the proof is in it. My taste buds gave gave the proof and that's all we can tell you something needs to change in that recipe because this pudding it sucks and the broncos when they passed on um they let rich uh oh what's his name dude rich the guy the, uh, no 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 the former strength guy uh luke richardson my bad luke richardson bounced to take a promotion and become an executive still doing you know strength and conditioning but with the texans in a higher more executive role When they allowed that to happen and they brought in Lauren Landau, in the beginning, nobody panicked because Lauren Landau was the local guy that both CU players, uh, CSU, Bronco pros in the offseason, this is the guy who they trained with. And he's the guy, he also came, he was the the runner-up to the job when Richardson got it, all right? And so it made sense at the time for the Broncos to hire Lauren Landau. Half the locker room already knew him and trusted him. But it's just not coming out in the wash. I mean, what, how many years into this now are we 
at Too least many. four that Landau has been the strength guy. And all I can tell you is the last three in particular have been brutal as far as the number of injuries and to whom. I don't know why your analogy made me think of a line from uh, uh, Dodgeball. It's about as helpful as a poop-flavored lollipop, and that's what the Broncos' <laughs> strength and conditioning staff really is right now. I mean, when you have every single person going down every single week, it seems like every single player literally from the quarterback uh, to every other position, it points to a conditioning issue. My only solution is to get Lando out of the picture, and can we kind of uh, make Greek come out of retirement? I think that would solve all these problems. But something has to change because the Broncos' injury woes can't continue. I'll tell you what. Under Luke Richardson, the Broncos had a stunning run of relative um, success on the health level. Now, you can't – no one is ever going to – no team is ever going to be perfect in that department. You can't be. It is the – it is football. But, guys, go back and look at those seasons in which Richardson presided. If I were the Broncos, I'd find a guy that sprung out of his assistant tree somewhere along the way. You're you're probably not going to be able to get him back. You let him go. Find someone that maybe sprung off his tree and understands his core philosophy and methods for training, nutrition, uh, rehab, all that stuff. Look into that guy. Michaela, the Duchess, thank you so much, my friend. You know we love you. You know we appreciate you. You're a legendary Mount Rushmore superstar, and we love you. She says, the only sure things in life are death, taxes, and Bronco injuries. Don't mean to laugh, but if not, I would cry. I feel you. It kind of harshed the buzz, Zach, coming off of the, uh, you know, we've all been living on the fumes of that wild wind and uh, very high. And then the news comes, Glasgow, done for the year. Although that one, as, as unfortunate as it is, I think that one could still turn out, Zach, to be a blessing in disguise just because of, how palpable the upgrade is when Quinn Miners is on the field. But the Sertan one, look, Eric Trickle gave uh, Kyle Fuller really high marks. In fact, he he tabbed him as the game's MVP from a grades perspective. Okay. That's great. Even Vic Fangio complimented and backed that up, reinforced kind of that read on Kyle Fuller's day, mainly playing the nickel for the Broncos uh, yesterday in Dallas. But you don't know yet if it was a flash in the pan. Just like from the team perspective, Zach, we don't know if that was a flash in the pan romping over the Cowboys. Um, same with same with uh, Kyle Fuller. Ronald Darby has played better these last two games, and Vic, that's another thing Vic Fangio said. Nate Hairston looking pretty solid too. But you can't just keep sustaining injuries to your very best players and expect it's not going to come out in the wash. Well, best wishes to Graham Glasgow, friend of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope he's doing well in his recovery, and I know he'll be better uh, back better next year like he said he would. But it's honestly, and this is going to sound you know, insensitive, it's addition by subtraction, getting Glasgow out of the lineup and getting Quinn Miners in there. Quinn Miners was creating holes yesterday for the running game, and it's no coincidence, I think, that's why Javante Williams had his first 100-yard game. Uh, Michaela, I have a fourth for you, another assurance in life. That's Tom McMahon being bad at his job every <laughs> single week. Doesn't matter who they play, they always let you down. Uh, Marcus Lewis Henna across the pond. Appreciate you, bro, in the UK. Much love to you. Uh, Elena Joel Katz, thank you for those stars. Very generous of you. Much love. Appreciate it. Uh, here's one from Wyatt Horning, and then we'll grab Howie freaking Day. Hold on to that one, uh, Scott. We'll get him next. What do you think is going to happen to Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell, both of whom were in contract years, both of whom done for the year on injured reserve? We answer this probably at least once a week from a curious listener, Zach, but 
this one is a little bit more apropos now because we have a little bit more of a sample size with which to kind of sink our teeth now on the Kenny Young, Baron Browning pairing. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring back one of the two. I don't think both are coming back, but they're going to have to take some sort of hometown discount. I'm not breaking the bank on either Josie Jewell or Alexander Johnson, even though they were playing kind of well uh, before they got injured. You have to keep in mind that they have George Payton has no loyalty to either player, but he drafted Baron Browning and he traded specifically targeted Kenny Young. And both of those players right now are playing really well. Kenny Young changed the entire dynamic of the defense in a couple weeks. I tend to think George Payton will reward the players that contribute to the team, not guys who are on the trainer's table right now. So I wouldn't be opposed to bringing back Josie or AJ, but right now I'm a fan of Kenny Young. I'm a fan of Baron Browning. I want those guys to get the playing time, and we'll figure out the rest when we cross that bridge. I'm really geeked up about Kenny Young, and we've always been excited about Baron Browning. It's just been a matter of getting him healthy and getting him reps and even Vic Fangio, we can read. In fact, since I'm talking about it now, maybe I should just pull up the actual quote. What uh, Fangio said about Baron Browning today, I thought was interesting um, quote. This is actually about both Browning and uh, young quote. They did better uh, in their second week together, which you expect last week was their first game for us. Kenny has played a lot of football and Baron didn't play any football prior to last week. I think this game here, he made some good improvements talking uh, Baron. Kenny is picking up things and feeling more comfortable with us. He played better too. And Zach, I just got to tell you, as someone who still looks back very fondly over the era in which smoke dog Al Wilson patrolled the middle of the Broncos defense, rocking that number 56. I love seeing Baron Browning at off-ball linebacker, trucking dudes, running around, just being a flash on the field in that number. You know what's great, though? If Baron Browning and Cooper both end up starting for the Broncos, that's a third-round pick and a seventh-round pick. That's what you call cost-controlled starting players, and that's, I think, what George Payton wants to do and devote those resources elsewhere. But I don't envy the position he's in. Not only is Josie and AJ a free agent unrestricted after the season, so is Kenny Young. So you really have to negotiate if you want with three different inside linebackers, potentially for two spots. I think Kenny Young has a good chance of getting a second contract. Terrence, shout out to you, bro. Yeah, maybe that uh, George Payton was the team's best offseason acquisition. Stu Meat, what are you talking about? Are you talking to us? Or are you talking to someone in the chat? He says, you say you love me, but I don't care. Maybe it's a, I don't know. That sounds almost like a lyric or something. I don't know. You know we love you, Stu Meat. For real. Let's go. Howie freaking day in the freaking house, dropping some freaking knowledge. Appreciate you, bro. Serious stars, bro. Appreciate that. He says, how about this rookie class, though, from our backup lineman to the uh, p- position <laughs> piece of crap players? I don't yeah. know. POS usually That's where my mind went. <laughs> as an acronym isn't good. But anyway, the new GM seems to be doing well. How would you grade this class? Well, it's kind of faux pas to grade a rookie class. Um you know, without a full season under its belt. But for the sake of what the heck, I mean, it is how I freaking day. So what the frick, you know, let's just freaking grade it. I'm going to give Pat Sertan a, an A plus he's hurt, but dude's been a baller when he's on the field, period. End of story. Best corner on the team. It was the right pick. I'm going to say, um, Javante, I'm going to give him a B plus. And the only reason that he's not an A is because he, the team just hasn't been using him the right way or enough, I guess is really my complaint, Zach. Um, I'm trying to remember all the 
third round picks, Quinn Miners, uh, I'm going to give a B. Just need to see more of them. Who else am I missing Browning. on the third round? Baron Browning, obviously. I'm going to give him since it's only incomplete, incomplete on Baron. I can't grade Baron yet. We need more sample size. There's another third round pick. I can swear. I'll pull it up on PFR. Um, but you want to get started answering this for him? Um, Patrick Sertan is going to be an all pro next year. You can book that right now. The guy is tremendous and he plays beyond his years at the position. I see total shutdown ability. I'm going to give him, and he was beat a couple times. He's had some issues in coverage. I'm going to give him an A minus to your point, Chad. I understand what you're saying, but I don't hold the coaches incompetence against Javante Williams when he's used. I mean, he makes something out of nothing consistently. What was a three yard run? There were four Cowboys players swarming him yesterday. He turned that into a 30 yard gain. The guy is unbelievable. I give him an A minus as well. No one's perfect. I actually probably give him an A. I mean, he hasn't been prone to fumbling. He's been doing his assignments and, and really capitalizing when given the opportunity. Baron Browning, the more he plays, the more he'll get better. He needs experience right now, and that's why you're seeing growth week to week. I'm giving him a B plus. He can be a little better against the run, a little better in space, but it's not easy with so many players going down around you. And uh, we can go down the whole list if you want, I guess. Yeah, so here's here real quick, real quick. So I was thinking of last year where the Broncos had three third-round picks. This year they had the two. We already nailed Miners and Browning. Then you got Caden Stearns and Jamar Johnson in the fifth. Caden Stearns, I'm going to give a, a solid B plus. All right. Uh, Jamar Johnson, incomplete. We right. haven't seen him play defense yet. Uh, Seth, uh, Seth Williams, he's already gonzo. Kerry Vincent, traded. Jonathan Cooper, I mean, it's really only been three games where we've seen serious impact, and that's only one more than Baron Browning. So I'm going to err on the side of not enough there to grade, but if I were, you know, gun to my head, I'm going to give him like a B. I need to see more, though. And then Marquise Spencer, uh, who we haven't seen on defense yet. So, Pretty good so far. I mean, George Payton's been doing well. I mean, getting after the quarterback like Cooper does, I'm going to give him an A minus. Caden Stearns, he can also, I'm, maybe I'm just in a good mood tonight. He can flirt with an A minus as well. That is your future long term safety opposite Justin Simmons. I, I love what I've seen from him. And not only the draft class, these are all George Payton's imports, his hand picked players. But how about. Uh, midseason pickups like Kenny Young, Stephen Weatherly was making plays at outside linebacker. George Payton is not the issue in Denver for those thinking he is. He's actually the solution for the Broncos going forward. Travis Weber, what's good, buddy? He says, and thank you for the stars, my friend. You know, we love you. How big, or pardon, big blow losing Glasgow for the season. But I did question him at the beginning of the year. Do we know how many games exactly PS2 is going to miss? No, the reporting actually came from Jeff Legwald of ESPN, and he just said sources told him the team expects, quote, multiple games, and we'll get some clarification on that Wednesday when Fangio and the Broncos reconvene for uh, the week of preparation for the Eagles. We'll get hopefully some more details, and maybe there will be some inside reports I haven't really checked up on Cliss since that. Maybe there's something Cliss has reported that adds additional context. Well, don't forget, they have a bye after the Eagles game, so they might err on the side of caution and see how he feels going into that week or coming out of that week. I think there's a good chance he's only going to miss one game when all is said and done, hopefully. So, yeah, so here's real quick. Um, here's what Cliss reported an hour ago on Twitter. Quote, Sertan timetable not yet determined. With the bye coming following the Eagles game, it would be understandable if he got two weeks to heal and be ready for the post-buy game right. versus the Chargers on November 28th, which starts the meat of the Broncos' schedule versus the AFC West. So 
that's Cliss clearly planting the seed that it might only end up be one game that Sertan actually misses thanks to when the bye fell uh, in this, this schedule. They're going to need him, too, against Herbert in that offense if they want to win a tough divisional game. Clayda, what's good, bud? Appreciate you. You've really been a consistent Super Chat superstar lately, and, and we appreciate you, bro. Uh, in fact, Clay, I think it's about time you reach out, shoot us an email, milehighhuddle at gmail.com. Let us get your personal deets. Let us send you out a T-shirt or a little something-something as a thank you for your support. All right? He says, all I got to say is, and by the way, we need your address and T-shirt size. All I got to say is the football gods were merciful with Pat Sertan. They knew we couldn't handle a Vaughn trade and then a season-ending injury to my boy, PS2. Yeah, that's the that's the silver lining. That's the, you know, half-class, half-class, glass-half-full uh, philosophy or outlook. So we agree. It's about time the Broncos got some injury luck, even if it's minor compared to everything else. And let's just hope, like I said, let's hope that what you saw from the trio of Darby, Hairston, and Fuller wasn't fool's gold. You know, let's see them sustain it. And they have, I think, Zach, you know, you you would expect them to have the sand to hold up against a team like Philly. Maybe not enough known yet about Hairston, but the number of – the amount of football that Darby and Fuller have played, I mean, they should be able to hold the fort. Dave from Georgia, another legendary Mount Rushmore superstar here at MHH, says, uh, I was critical of the Merlot signing, but he's played really well this year. Pookie is the future, though. Hashtag Broncos country football priest. Love you, buddy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're preaching to the priest, bro. We, we were skeptical. He's solid. He can be very good, you know. Um, I think for Melvin, it's – a lot more contingent, Zach, on how good he is, is contingent much more on how well it's blocked. Um, but still, sometimes when he suits up, dude, like you, there's a burst that he brings. I'd like to see it a little bit more consistently. But, yeah, Pookie, yesterday's win in Dallas was just plain, hey, it's time to really start kind of shading the lion's share of the reps to the rookie because the juice is just – you just can't deny it, and it's just popping out of the jersey. Like, he's breaking tackles like a bowling ball. What would you say yesterday, Zach, a bowling ball with knives? Like but, Bowling ball with butcher knives. It's an old I – mean, uh, Get out of the way. Yeah. Anyone who might remember the name uh, Dwayne Robertson back in the day, that was used to describe him. He was a massive bust. You know, you mentioned uh, Gordon being solid. I agree. By no means he's 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 been bad this year. I don't think $8 million worthy, but no mean, by no means bad. He hasn't been spectacular, though. You know, the expression is solid but unspectacular. That's, I think, what Melvin Gordon is, but that's not what Javante is. Javante, to me, is spectacular. He's doing things that Gordon can't do or hasn't done yet. He's also not uh, prone to giving up the football like Melvin Gordon is. And so many times, or at least two times yesterday, I saw Gordon carrying it with one hand, and it was kind of creaky there. Hold it with two hands, Melvin. Let's go. Um, the sooner the Broncos make Javante RB1, the better. They need to feed Pookie. And keep that going. Hey, appreciate that, by the way. Stars for uh, for Lawrence means a lot, I'm sure, bro. It means a lot to us. Gary Leeds Palmer, legendary. What? 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 I'm out of the hospital? Oh, that's right. Wait, the patient died? Who's the, the patient? The operation was a success, but the patient died, LOL. I don't understand that one, bro. You'll have to explain that. You, you, you're shocking us a little bit here. But I remember now, I don't remember the exact nature of the surgery, but was it a back or something like that? I mean, no, maybe it was a ticker. 
I'm trying to remember, but Gary, glad. Oh, to I have just you got back. it. He's out of the hospital because he died. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe am I, I being too morbid? I don't know. It's still going over my head. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, either way, let me know if I'm right about that, Gary. I hope you're alive though to answer. GLP, we'll take that as a positive silver lining development that you are indeed in the chat. You must be uh, <laughs> not, still not us. haunting us from so below. <laughs> Ron Dub, our friend our longtime Super Chat superstar who we got to kick it with in Denver a few weeks back. Great to see you, bro. Thank you for that Super Chat. He says, hey, guys, I was at the Dallas game. Dude, you travel, my dog. This guy is from Georgia, or I should say lives in Georgia. I'm not 100% sure where you're from, but uh, travels for the Jets game, hang out with us, then he travels to the Dallas game. He says, so much orange. We showed out. Who is your MVP of this game? Who gives the best spark? offensively and how do you see the philly game going uh man i'm gonna say in this one my mvp is probably javante would be my mvp for the dallas game who gives the best spark offensively right now it's javante followed closely by timmy p but the philly game zach what's your answer for him How do you see the Philly game going? Well, it depends what version of the Broncos we see against Philadelphia. It reminds me coming out of the Jets game, I wanted to see if they can keep this going or or kind of prove it was a mirage, and they proved it was a mirage then against the Ravens and going forward the following games. If they play like they did against Dallas, they're going to wipe the floor with Philadelphia. But that's a major, major if. You never know with the Broncos. I want to throw Jerry Judy in there for offensive MVP. I know he might not get it or team MVP, but he played amazingly. And he's taking reps at a fast rate away from Cortland Sutton. Um, A lot of players to name, a lot of coaches to name. I give credit to Vic Fangio as well, Chad. You can argue he was the MVP for having the Broncos up for that game, having a masterful game plan against Dak Prescott. And holding Dak to arguably the worst output of his career. Impressive. It was. It was. Andrew Baker, another great supporter, super supporter, who we got to kick it with a little bit at the meet and greet, says, well, with Zach's knowledge of the Cowboys and Broncos, did we play that good or they just played that bad? Both. Plus, I'm over the narrative that we beat the three worst teams when New York beat the Raiders, the Giants, Jets beat the Bengals, and the Jags beat the Bills. Hey, that's a good point, man. Any given Sunday, right? That came out. I mean, that was hammered home this weekend in particular with just upset Arama across the league. Did anyone really expect the Raiders to win that game with all the off-field drama? It's I think it's catching up to them a little bit. I, I don't subscribe to that. They did beat three of the worst teams. I mean, the fact that we have to prove, uh, you know, say them in a sentence to prove the otherwise it says they're a bad team. Um, the Broncos did play really well. It was a team that we haven't seen, and it was a coach we haven't seen. How about them Cowboys he was saying up at the podium, Chad? And Tim Patrick said, that's what happens when you disrespect us. I mean, this was a different Broncos attitude and vibe that we haven't seen maybe since 2015 or before that. The Cowboys, though, if you watch any of their games, they played horribly. They played about as bad as you can expect them to play. Dropping passes, missing passes, missing blocks. They couldn't tackle worth a damn on defense yesterday. The sixth-ranked run defense. The Cowboys, a complete letdown game, trap game, whatever you want to call it. So that was on them. I don't think they're going to continue being that bad going forward. But the Broncos deserve credit because they took it to them with an intensity and a fight and an intention that we haven't seen in quite a while, if ever. 
what did we say? One of the first things that I want to grab what Lawrence says here. Um, so cool. Stars for Michael, stars for Lawrence <clears throat> coming from the community because Michael says he can't get no stars this week because he just got a new cell phone. No worries, Mike. You got Travis has your back and Lawrence as well. It's just so cool, man. Lawrence, uh, let me find it right here. He says, Kelberman, I was going to ask you. Actually, hold on. Let me put a pin in this real quick. Uh, what I was going to say is one of the first things off the cuff last night was. Then I just lost my train of thought because I'm focusing on the peeps. It'll come back to me. Let me grab Lawrence real quick. Kelberman, I was going to ask you if we should seek out their offensive coach after this eye opener. No worries about the stars of Lawrence. This is a this is a, a trope, Zach, that uh, isn't going away anytime soon. But nevertheless, how much did that stinker affect your outlook on <laughs> Kellen Moore as a prospective head coach in Canada? You know, on one hand, I really wanted Kellen to show Broncos fans what he can do close up because he really is the real deal. And so many people are trying to dunk on me in the comments on Twitter about how bad the Cowboys offense looked, but it wasn't Kellen Moore dropping passes. It wasn't Kellen Moore missing wide open receivers. He was getting those receivers wide open. I mean, there were a couple times where it would have been a walk-in touchdown, whether it was Cedric Wilson or CeeDee Lamb, that was scheming on Kellen Moore's part. So he is still a hot head coaching candidate, and if the Broncos are on the market, I still would love for them to look in his direction. I remember what I was going to say now. Um, with the uh, – oh, now I just got distracted again with the name, the Bookmeister. Is it the Bookmeister, by the way, or is it the Bookmister? Because the last time you super chatted, I called you the Bookmeister. But it looks like if we're going off phonetics here, Zach, it's Bookmister. He says, love the show. Helps me get through the day out here in Utah. Calvin Anderson at right tackle. Miners at right guard might be nice. Yeah, so if you get Bolsey back this week, Zach, you're getting uh, you're getting an entirely new right side of the offensive line, which honestly, and you know, if you guys read Eric Trickle's grades piece today, the uh, you know it's a double edged sword because Bobby Massey, who'd been very up and down at right tackle for this team, was producing his best game as a Bronco when he got hurt. So it's like, man. Why does it have to happen then? But nevertheless, Quinn Miners, dude, he's just an animal. And when he's out there on the field, Zach, the impact is felt. It's evident. It's obvious. It's palpable. Calvin Anderson, credit to him. I mean, he gave up a couple of pressures yesterday to uh, Dallas, but no sacks. And now he's going to have to figure out how to do it on the right side. May, might not be till after the bye. Depends on what they ultimately decide to do with Garrett. But um Probably this week. I doubt Garrett Bowles misses another another game, to be honest with you. Am I the only one who doesn't want Garrett Bowles back, though, considering how good Calvin looked? I mean, no holding penalties, no sacks allowed. It was nice not having to worry about that. And I give Calvin a ton of credit. That's not an easy Dallas front seven to go against, and he was a, uh, a stonewall. Uh, so whatever happens, I think the Broncos are in good hands because they have depth. And this is the one thing that George Payton has brought to the team that John Elway lacked for so long. Garrett Bowles goes out, Calvin comes in, Graham Glasgow goes out, Quinn Miners comes in. You know, I even, I hate to say it, Cameron Fleming held his own, Chad. I didn't think it'd be possible, but Bobby Massey goes out, he comes in. The Broncos are in good hands regardless, and thank God they have Mike Munchak leading the way. What I was going to say before I lose it again, guys, is... One of the first things when we got on last night was when the Cowboys decided to go for it on consecutive fourth downs, it was a clear and direct shot across the bow of the Broncos, generally speaking. Of utter disrespect for their defense and utter disrespect, especially 
for the offense because the uh, evaluation in the moment there is, hey, if we don't get it, it's all good. These guys are a three and out, you know, punt. Uh, this is what they do. No problem. And so it was really cool, Zach, to hear today, um, not today, but after last night, um, hear both Teddy and Tim Patrick, I'm sure amongst others, confirm that they took that as a very serious show of disrespect. Well, I mean, so should Vic Fangio after Mike McCarthy's presser today when he was presented the comments that Fangio said no one really knew how to play Dallas well. So Mike McCarthy says it's good to hear Fangio beating his own drum. So that's not really, you know, losing losing really well. I think he took that poorly. And you're right. They had no respect for the Broncos offense, what the Broncos can do. And that attitude was the entire culprit as to why it went wrong for the Cowboys. They took the Broncos too lightly. They overlooked them, and the Broncos made them pay for it. And you saw the emotion from Fangio on that fourth and one stop from Justin Simmons, Chad. He was fist pumping like he had a plate of meatballs in front of him. I've never seen Vic Fangio that fired up, and I wish he could continue that passion and vigor going forward. That's the shot of life the Broncos needed. Shane Daniels, and by the way, I think head coaches, they didn't like the way he comported himself, Fangio, coming out of week four and the way he right. tried to go after the John Harbaugh. And so I think he kind of developed a little bit of reputation. So he's an easy target now. Any chance, I think – where a head coach can take a shot at him within the bounds of, you know, not seeming like, you know, too eager, they're going to take it for what it's worth. Shane Daniels says, I was really pleased with Miners' play. He's an absolute monster on the line. That he is, my friend. Eric Ortegon says, was it Eric that graded Kenny Young pretty bad? Uh, pretty bad, no. Not perfect, yes. Here's exactly how uh, Kenny Young graded out uh, for yesterday's game in Dallas a total grade of 43.1. So 50, the, the, the game starts out, each player starts at 50, all right? And the snap, if they do well, they get they go up. If not, they go down. So you can see Kenny ended up less than where he started, but here's the rationale um, takeaway from Eric. Quote, Young has been the hot additional linebacker, and his play against the run has been great. However, his playing coverage has been rough, mainly when he isn't coming downhill to cover the flat. So when he's swarming to the flat to cover a running back on an outlet, no problem. When he's having to kind of backpedal and cover the middle of the field or what have you, that's what he's talking about. In addition, Young lost the tight end in coverage because they got behind him and his awareness wasn't the best. So it's it's not a – trust me, that's not a terrible grade. Let me show you – let's see. Actually, there really weren't that many – these weren't a poorly – it was hard to poorly grade anyone in this game. Dalton Reisner was technically the poorest graded guy out there for – um, Eric Trickle, but I've seen grades in the teens. It's rare, I've, but usually each week there's at least grades in the 20s. Like some players just really suck it up. So I would say that from a grades perspective, this Kenny Young one, Zach, this was this is probably more of like an average linebacker grade, to be frank. But against the run, stud just needs to get better in coverage, and that's going to come the more comfortable he becomes in Fangio's scheme because Fangio's deal with linebackers, a lot of different kind of zone themes and, and philosophies that they have to kind of marinate on. It takes a little bit of time. Well, I mean, I think some of it is scheme issue too. Like you were kind of, you know, getting on there. How often have the Broncos linebackers got mixed up by a tight end? They can't, that's been the running meme in Broncos country for five years now. They can't cover a tight end. I'm not putting too much on Kenny Young for that when you have Baron Browning matched one-on-one -on -one with Amari Cooper or Von Miller covering a receiver. That's a scheme issue. 
Kenny Young hasn't been perfect, but he's been a, a shot of adrenaline, Chad, and he's bringing energy and fire, and you can't measure that in data, yep. in stats, analytics, or anything. He's changed the dynamic of this defense. 100%. Colby, what's going on, buddy? Thank you for all of your support, my friend. Um, have you gotten your hat? I can't remember what we shipped you. Was it a hat, a T-shirt? Let me know. He says, can we now afford to keep Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton? I see Tim Patrick kind of as a Demarius 2.0. I don't. I see him more as a Rod Smith because Demarius was an explosive beast for his size. I mean, he had a tight end's body, but he could run a four four. Like he was just a phenomenal athlete that very rare. Whereas Tim Patrick, he's not that guy. He's a he's a tech a technician. He's a hard worker. He's always going to out scrap and outwork all comers, including guys that might be a little more talented than him, like a Cortland Sutton. So in that sense, Zach, he reminds me more of the Denver Broncos all-time leading receiver in Rod Smith than, say, the number two guy in Demarius Thomas. I mean, DT, Rod Smith, regardless, he's a hell of a player, Chad. And someone asked me on Twitter, who do you pay? And I don't want to be George Payton making that call because you can make the case for either. I'm probably leaning a little more toward Cortland Sutton because, like you mentioned, the explosion ability, the catch radius, what he can do with 80-20 balls as they've come to be known. But Tim Patrick is one of the most reliable pass catchers I have ever seen play for any team. And whatever deal he gets from wherever he lands, he deserves every single penny of it. I think you try and find a way to get him, keep them both just because. And I think you can afford it with Vaughn's money off the books next year. I mean, you'll have to figure out how much of your cap ultimately gets allocated to whoever your quarterback is next year. But still, I think you can swing it. You know, we've, we've learned over the years that when it comes to the salary cap, man, if there's a will, there is a way. So I think these two guys are proving that, hey, Jerry Judy, his, the best is still yet to come from him but you can't count on it per se, and you can't count on it from KJ. What you seem to be able to count on so far is Cortland and Tim. It's unfortunate in a sense, Zach, that they're basically so similar as players. You'd like to them to be a little bit more complimentary in, in the different things they bring. But as you said, man, Tim Patrick, throw it in his direction. He's going to catch it. Yesterday's game was the first time I saw a ball get to his bread basket. And he didn't come down with it. And it wasn't a drop. You can't categorize that as a drop. It was punched out by the DB. Great play. Extremely rare. Extremely rare. Um, Marcus, cross the pond. What up, bro? Thanks again. Fangio had a look as he Fangio had a look as he was a cat, got like he's a cat that got the cream, but he seems to have forgotten all the F ups he had previously. Um I never heard that one before. Cat that got the cream. Yeah, I mean, it is a little bit like Fangio at times. He's just a little bit cringe, like he's tone deaf, like he forgets, you know, all the water that's passed under the bridge. And he's like out there flexing like, yeah, we totally knew we were going to beat the pants off what half the talking heads in the league viewed as the best team, at least in the NFC. Um, You know, I want to see that energy, Zach, on the sideline. That's what I want to see. The jibber-jabber at the podium, it comes off to me as very transparent and very, no, I I won't swear. I'll just say poor form. It's just not a good look. I mean, he kind of won me over because he, he said these words out loud, special teams took the day off today. I love that. But the problem is, Chad, like you just pointed out, it's all words. He doesn't follow through with accountability. Because if you really watch the special teams, Vic, in the last couple of years, they've taken the week off every single week, and what have you done about it? Nothing. 
you've condoned that. He deserves the victory lap, Chad, for what he did yesterday. He had a masterful game plan. He had his team ready to go, and they sprung a massive upset. But it doesn't overrule all the other flaws that have contributed to the Broncos' record, starting with Fangio himself. Mike, appreciate you, buddy. Mike Reno's. Says, uh, great show so far, guys. I'm still stoked with the team's performance, and let's carry over to the Philly game for another victory. Amen, buddy. Uh, Travis Tarbox, appreciate you, bro. He says, the, this rookie class is absolutely amazing, by the way. Yeah, an evening to you as well, bud. Yeah, we can't. Uh, you can't say enough, you know. You just want to get your first-round pick back as soon as you can. Uh, Travis Weber, appreciate you, bro. He says, I love our Broncos, and I'm still soaking in the wind from yesterday, but still wondering – what we'll see the rest of the season. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. You and you and us as well. I was almost going almost to say you and us both, but that's bad grammar. I, I'm still trying to kind of work through how I view this next game. Like, we don't know what version of the Broncos we're going to get on a, on a week-to-week basis, and and that's the mark of a team that's still kind of in chrysalis. They don't know what they are yet. And I'll tell you this, though. If they come out, I know it's Philly – and it's just Philly, any NFL opponent, take them serious. But if they come out, Zach, and lay the wood again in a consecutive game to a thunderous, convincing win, I'll start getting a little hype, to quote whoever that was last night. Um, But until then, I'm still – I have a little bit of misgivings. I'm not going to jump the shark quite yet. I mean, I've said this about the Ravens game, the Steelers game, the Browns game, the Raiders game – But if the Broncos are for real, they will beat the Eagles. They have to prove that the Cowboys win wasn't a one-week mirage and that it was their Super Bowl. They have to prove that this this is the real Broncos. This is us, us coaching and playing to our potential, and we're here to stay and make some noise in the AFC. So we'll know in the first series or two of the game, just like we knew, like you said, Chad, with Justin Simmons making that fourth down stop, when he they did that and I saw Fangio show emotion, I had a different feeling about the game. I knew it was going in a different direction right away. Uh, I like this from Scott as on the subject of Fangio. Scott says, uh, Fangio, insecure, giving his resume like he has to, you know, chest thump, quote, you know, just these, you, you just know these things after 37 years in the NFL. Yeah, he does come off that way a little bit sometimes, a little bit insecure. Um, maybe imposter syndrome, suffers from imposter syndrome himself. Like even he isn't convinced he deserves to be a head coach at times. I don't know. Well, he was an assistant for 30 years before he got a head coaching job. I think that if he's insecure, it might stem from that. Aaron, thank you for the stars, my friend. Really does mean a lot to us. There was that Colby as well. Love it. Guys, we might get out of here a little bit early tonight. Um, we got some things crack-a-lacking. Uh, here's, let's grab Eric Ortegon, who says, The Cowboys, and thank you, Eric, we're bringing the house. This played well for the veteran quarterback. Seems like others sit back and let Teddy check down. The O-line gave him enough time. A great game. You know, it didn't start out that way, but Teddy quickly bounced back, and I think it was his best game of the season. It might not have been his most prolific game statistically, Zach, but just from an overall, you know, checkmate type of perspective, like managing the game, while also when the opportunities were there to gash the defense, being able to take them. But like we said last night, guys, we don't believe in coincidence on this show. 
Teddy doesn't go out and produce his best game as the quarterback of the Denver Broncos in a vacuum when you see the rushing attack almost get right. to 200 yards. I mean, these things are connected. That's why we've been screaming and, and literally pounding the table for Pat Shermer to run the ball more because good things will happen when you stick to the run when you have a player like Javante or Melvin Gordon for that matter. And it goes, it's a simpactico. It goes hand in hand. When you have a good rushing attack, good things open up downfield for you. They were also getting the ball to their playmakers like Tim Patrick, like Jerry Judy, let good things happen in space. It was just that Pat Shermer for one week and might be one week only, he grew a brain. Pete Middleton, what's up, bro? Tuesday morning for him already. Uh, where is it? Where is it, Scott? Is it Thailand? Oh, is it a turkey? It's it's uh, Cambodia. Thank you. Appreciate you, Pete. You're dedicated. It says I'm enjoying the perfect start as I listen to you guys. Love you, dude. You've been with us a long, long time, and we appreciate you. Also, shout out to another guy been with us a long time, and that's. Big Earn, as I like to call him, Ernie Mays in the house. He says, "Awesome game. Uh, let's go, let's go seven straight wins against the Cowboys." Hello, Chad and Zach. Yes, indeed. Yeah, the Broncos have Cowboys number, man. There's no getting around that. Uh, Travis says, "I watched the show last night, Priest, and I totally agree with Chad's take that Quinn Miners absolutely should be a starter." Hey, if you uh, happen to feel that way, guess what? He's a starter now. Ended up coming to him because of an injury, but. Is there any chance the Broncos keep Graham Glasgow around beyond this year? Because I see literally zero. No. I mean, they can get out of, get out of his contract, too. Um, I think over $3 million or $3 million approximately becomes fully guaranteed next March of his base salary for next season. There is no way. You have Natani Muti. Now you have Quinn Miners stepping up and playing well. I, Glasgow took his last snap in a Broncos uniform. By the way. Jeremy, you're the only other cat I know that is not in my immediate circle that uses Judas Priest as an epithet. So kudos to you. Um, all right, guys, we got to get out of here. Let me just make sure we haven't missed anything. Okay, we do. We do got one or two more. Lando, what's good? Don't call him Calrissian Lee. Appreciate you, bro. That's two nights in a row showing some love. Respect. Appreciate that. Uh, let me see here. We also have... Uh, Howie freaking day with some more stars. Love you, bro. He says, where was this grit before this bully like attitude three games ago? They've been saying it for weeks, but it looked and maybe more importantly felt like the Broncos finally had enough. They looked hungry. They looked hyped. They finally looked like a team. The sideline was pumped and Vic didn't look like a mummy guys. It had the Von Miller trade had something to do with it. We don't know exactly how we don't know if it was, George Payton, Zach sending a message like, look, the one guy that was untouchable just got traded. You're all on notice. Sing for your supper. Or if it was more of a um, kind of passive scenario where a vacuum got created and people stepped in to fill that vacuum could be combinations of these things. But Zach, we would be remiss to ignore the fact, the fact that the best performance this team has showcased in the history of Vic Fangio's head coach comes days after Von Miller was traded. So we don't believe in coincidence. That has something to do with it. It also, we mentioned it and it's worth pointing out again, because it's true. The Cowboys taking the Broncos too lightly, overlooking them, disrespecting them to quote Tim Patrick that contributed to it as well. When you give a team bulletin board material, 
The other team, if they have nothing to lose, backs against the walls, underdogs, 10-point dogs, they come in there and win in a blowout. I mean, that's it's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, and every break went in the Broncos' direction. When you get a punt blocked and keep possession of the ball, it's your afternoon. Charlie, thank you for those stars, my friend. means a lot. Hope you know that. Uh, Pete Middleton again saying, hey, pay Tim, Patrick, and then use the franchise tag on Cortland Sutton. Yeah, the options are there, man. I think you should try and find a way to keep them both here one more year and then decide then because then you'll maybe know a little bit better how much you can count on KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, but two in the hand, you know, worth four in the bush. And you got two in the hand right now. And that's Cortland and Tim. Don't let them slide out and, and uh, run off into the bush. And then you got, you know, Jerry Judy, who's not chopped liver. Don't get me wrong. Jerry Judy, man. I think the best is yet to come. This dude's a stud. He was a first round pick for a reason, but it's going to take a little bit more time for him to marinate. And he needs time with Teddy and all that stuff. And meantime, you've got two guys that are proving it game in and game out. I wonder what the number is for the franchise tag for receivers next year. If it's 15 million bucks, I mean, I don't know if I give Cortland Sutton that much and tie that much up in a position where you mentioned you have Tim Patrick and you have Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, you have some options. Even uh, Hall of Famer Kendall Hinton is making big catches, Chad. So you you also, if you draft a young quarterback, you mentioned Von Miller's contract coming off the books. Well, you wouldn't have a franchise quarterback salary on the books if you play a young quarterback. So you can devote uh, resources elsewhere. Look what the Bengals are doing with Burrow. They're surrounding him with weapons. What the Cardinals are doing with Kyler Murray. If you have a young guy, you want to create a good environment around him so it might behoove the Broncos to keep all the receivers around for the benefit of the quarterback Isaac thank you for the stars Maurice calls them the box of chocolate Broncos and it's funny you say that because I made a joke today to my brother same thing like he's like so what, are we gonna get this Broncos team next week against Philly I'm like you know I made a Forrest Gump joke right you never know what you're gonna get with these Denver Broncos thank you Travis uh he says maybe we can sweep the NFC East this Sunday I I, I hope so I'm still not 100% sure on my uh, read for this game, but, you know, we got a couple, two, three more days till the uh, Mile High Roundtable is due. So um, we'll see. We'll see how, how it goes uh, between now and then. Uh, Kayaka in the house. What's good, bro? Thank you. Good to see one of our legendary Mount Rushmore superstars saying, just showing some love, feeling great from the dub, but still trying to stay even killed. LOL. This is the linebacker core of the future. Much love, Broncos country. You could be right, man. You could be right. I'm really, really intrigued by this duo, and I think uh, they're just scratching the surface. Yeah, and Kayaka has another super here. Thank you, Kayaka, as always. Do you guys feel Noah Fant is expendable? I'm not liking the narrative that's been building around him. I do like Noah Saubert and Albert O going forward. You know, it's interesting. I wonder, did the offense part of it, they look more efficient, more productive, more explosive? Was it coincidence that it came with Noah Fant out of the lineup, or was it because Albert O, who has much better chemistry and you can argue playmaking ability with Teddy Bridgewater, and he's a preferred option, it seems like, of Pat Shermer, did that contribute to it? It seems like Noah is afflicting the Broncos like Von Miller did on defense. There's just an energy around him that it feels like it's keeping the Broncos down, and without him in action yesterday, you saw what could happen. I wouldn't say expendable yet. I do think he has Pro Bowl upside, but he's being wasted in this offense right now, and he also hasn't performed. He's getting a lot of ridicule, Chad, because he always falls after getting hit on first contact. He's not making any big plays like we saw in 2019. 
Um, I think he can revert back to that form, but right now the Broncos offense looks better without him than with him. Makes me wonder how much, and as someone who has lost their mother, losing his mom this past summer right. might've affected him between the years. It might take him a little time to bounce back. So in that sense, you know, we'll have a little compassion for him, but no, I don't think he's expendable per se. Uh, I think he'll be around next year and I think he'll uh, continue to contribute, but he really needs to step it up. He really does. But guys, that's got to do it for today. Zach, if you want to do the yep. rundown, I'll get the, uh, how we finished on Facebook settled up and Thank on uh, an update on uh, super chat for the month of November. Thank you all for tuning in with us tonight. Until we see you guys on Wednesday night, be sure to follow the pod on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, rumors, analysis, breakdowns, transactions, injuries, and so much more at Mile High Huddle. You can follow my co-host Chad on Twitter at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. Go to HuddleUpPod.com and get yourself a dad hat, get yourself a football preset, uh, football pre-shirt, anything in Everything you can imagine and fathom is in that store. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Hit that big blue button. Become a supporter right now. You get exclusive access to three VIP programs. Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, and Trickle Zone each and every week. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod. Follow that page. And if you haven't already, go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every single month. But if you haven't and don't plan on doing those things, that's okay. Just subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. All right, breaking news. We have a new player in the top five on Super Chat, and it is the DWI guys. A lot of our nightly listeners are going, who? The DWI (laughs) guys, that channel loves Broncos for breakfast and have been showing out in force for the Broncos for breakfast guys currently holding down the number one spot on super chat followed by Naj, the Duchess at three D dub at four Corey H at five. So we got two newer, I guess you could throw Dale in there as a recent top five, but Dale is a legendary, you know, supporter. So, and then look, Clado Geiger gaming, Cody dub, DC dub Kayaka at uh, number 10. So very, very cool. And remember at the end of the month, we'll take the top five finishers. Those five names each get a ticket into the hat, drawing out for the Bronco Jersey of their choosing. And then here's how we finished tonight on uh, Facebook. Shout out to these super supporters. Love you. Travis Weber at the top. Howie freaking day, Shane Daniels, Andrew Lampy, Travis Tarbox, Andrew Baker, Lando Lee, Peter Middleton, Colby C. Collier, Gary Leach Palmer, alive and well. We are happy to see. Charlie Young, Aaron Richardson, Mike Reno, Marcus Lewis Henna, Claude Riley, Isaac Dabaja, George Fox, Elena Joel Katz, and Yvonne Talavera Perez. Much love to each and every one of you. Thank you for the support. We're off. We'll see you uh, Wednesday night. In the meantime, don't forget, in the morning, another fresh episode of Broncos for Breakfast, followed by Building the Broncos tomorrow night. 8 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Mountain time. I thought it said DUI, guys, and I had a Melvin Gordon joke, but that's neither here nor there. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.